Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. Joining me tonight is a woman that has resigned from many esteemed positions. It's Sajila Kershi. And next to her, we have a man who has found himself in many compromising positions, but didn't have the wherewithal to remove himself. It's Leo Kurse. How are you both? It's been a, a dramatic couple of days. Oh isn't my it? God! It's it's like a Spanish telenovela. I have been hooked. It's brilliant. It, it is. I mean, it's like Game of Thrones or something. It's been so many twists. I know. I know. Yeah. It's been amazing. It's like literally got the popcorn out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even go and have a shower this morning because I was like, I just didn't want to miss anything. Are you enjoying it, Leo? Uh, I am. Assuming you've had a shower. Have you had a shower since? Just for you, no. <laughs> OK, let's leave the flotation till later. Let's move on to going through tomorrow's front pages. And we're going to start with the Daily Mail. And they've gone with, what the hell have they done? <clears throat> and you can see there an image of, uh, of Boris with Carrie and his son. And uh, the paper is talking about how they've been cast out by a party in the grip of collective hysteria. So the Daily Mail very much uh, holding their colours to the mass there. Let's move on now to the Telegraph. They lead with PM's long goodbye leaves UK in state of paralysis with an image there of Boris and his son. Is it Wilf or Wolf? I think it's Wilf, but I think it should be Wolf after the gladiator. <laughs> but made a mistake there. Independent next. Going but still in number 10. After another flurry of resignations, Johnson finally says he'll step down when new leader is chosen. We're going to move on now to The Guardian and they keep it nice and simple. It's almost over with a not very flattering image of Johnson, not surprising given their viewpoints. On to the Financial Times now. They lead with it. Johnson quits, defiant to the end. That's him outside of number 10, an image from his press conference earlier. On to the mirror, clinging on for one last party. He quits as PM, but wants to stay on until he's had a checkers wedding bash. Well, that's an interesting theory. We're going to be talking about that later today. Most definitely. Can't be true, can it? Well, we'll see. The Times next. Johnson Throws in the towel. That's the metaphor that the Times has gone for. He liked the towel, and he was holding onto that towel for quite a while before throwing it in. Anyway, on to the Daily Express. Different tack here. They've gone with, thank you, Boris. You gave Britain back its freedom. So putting a very positive spin on that. And then finally onto the Metro. Leave means leave. Okay, nice and clear. Oh, there's one more here. We've got the Daily Star. The Daily Star have gone with Bozo, that legacy in full. <laughs> and an image of him with a clown nose. Not very flattering at all. And those are your front covers. <clears throat> so we, we crack on with Friday's Express and credit where credit is due. Boris has some virtues, doesn't he? Yes, I mean, they've he does. really gone for the positive spin on this one, haven't they? They really have. So they open with, uh, reluctantly, but with great dignity, Boris Johnson yesterday conceded his tumultuous premiership was finally over. I don't know if great dignity is the phrase <laughs> I'd use to describe it. More... He said, them's the breaks. Yeah, yeah. That's, with, that's... Not the most dignified phrase. And also, he was hanging on. He was hanging on like Japanese knotweed in an <laughs> out, outside garden. Uh, not that you get inside gardens, but um, but yeah, they, they do have a point. I mean, he got Brexit done. Uh, he steered Britain through the COVID crisis, procured all the all the vaccines, 
uh, won an 87-seat majority and also rallied support across Europe and across the West for Ukraine. So there's, I mean, a lot of criticism of Johnson today, but there's, as you say, there's, a, there's another perspective here, which is that some people really value what he did. The vaccine rollout was clearly one of the best in the world. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, actually, his stance on Brexit at the time was quite unusual for ministers mm. of that mm. time. So it was quite a gutsy... Uh, approach to take. Sajida, I mean, I know you're not a fan of the Tories, but can you see any merit in that? Oh, you know, do you know, this morning I thought, I almost felt sorry for him. It was like, so, you know, I, I thought, oh, that's going to be awful. And I was waiting for him to come out. And then, you know, he doesn't disappoint, does he? He came out and he, it was like, this This is this is him being kicked out. Remember when Theresa May was in a similar situation, yeah. though less less hated, obviously. Yes. Um, you know, she cried. It was quite emotional. Now, if you see that historically, that piece of video, it's like he smashed it. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I smashed it's it. It's like a comedian. Like, and I, I did great. I was like, amazing. This is, this is always the point at which even the most hated prime ministers can look human. Yeah. You remember when Margaret Thatcher yeah. got into the car and you saw her crying for the first time in her life, I think. And it's, it's just interesting that it really humanises because all of these political there careers no, end in tragedy, don't they? No regret, no remorse. There was nothing from him, was there? Nothing. I mean, there was a touching moment with, you know, Carrie, like with the baby. And I thought, yes. oh, the baby's quite cute. You know, uh, was it Roma? Uh, very sweet. I thought it was a quite touching moment. I thought maybe he'll, you know, soften. Maybe he'll do something. And it was, it was nothing. And, so I, it, I, and I thought I just wasted my sympathy on him. So, Leo, do you <laughs> think that, that, you know, he's got to take responsibility ultimately for what happened here? Yeah, I mean, mm. he. I don't think he will take it, but we know he's responsible. And uh, you know, this this sort of narcissism and ego that he's displayed mm. in his uh, in his valedictory speech is, uh, you know, sort of shows the lack of moral fibre. The men that he couldn't make decisions that were in the nation's interest if they damaged his popularity. But look, the Brexit thing is really important. It's interesting that the Express focuses on this because, as Johnson continually said over the past couple of days, he has the mandate of 14 million votes. A lot of those votes came from people who traditionally voted for the left, yep. but they were voting for this because they had voted to leave and they valued democracy, OK? So he has that mandate. And, you know, can it, is it not the case that we need a general election now? If we're going to have another leader, we can't have someone who comes in and doesn't run on that mandate. No, because we elect the party, not the, not the leader. It's not a presidency. No, but, I mean, I, I, this is the thing. Like, he's such a survivor... Now, he's got this interim period where, like, a lot of people, and we know we're going to discuss it later, where a lot of people are saying that they don't want him in the interim, they, want, they don't even trust him to do the interim. Mm. And I think he is that, like, you know, canny, that he could actually drag something out of the bag during this interim period. He could do something really Well, crazy. I mean, we are going to discuss later on whether he's going to go, but let's move on now. It's all about Boris, obviously, today. Let's go to an ex-Prime Minister giving advice to a soon-to-be ex-Prime Minister. This from Friday's Independent, Leo. Yeah, so John Major has urged the 1922 committee to remove Boris Johnson quickly. So he's the... Uh, John Major, obviously, is a former Conservative Prime Minister uh, who re and he released a letter saying it was unwise and maybe unsustainable for Johnson to stay in office for up to three months, but, if Johnson wants. So this is the question, isn't it? So is it really conceivable that he can stay in office for three months? Can he... Po I mean, he's got no respect among the party. And that's yeah. surely where it counts at this stage. Sajida, what do you think? Um, I, I, I... Do you think you should go right now? No. <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm saying that because I think maybe it's the comedian in me and I'm just like, do you know when Trump, like, disappeared, I was a bit gutted. I was like, oh, what are we going to do now? Well, we've got it's Dominic like... Raab standing by. Yeah, yeah but he's not as much fun. It's not as much fun. So you're, you're thinking in terms of the comedic value. Yeah, yeah like I'm when... just thinking, like, what, what, I, don't, I can't do anything with Dominic. I can't do anything with him. Um, no, he's too, he's too dashing. And, he's too dashing. And, and but nice. also, I do think we've got, we're in this really awful situation where there's no one taking care of the country right now. 
And like, better the devil you know. It's not like we're going to get someone else and they're going to be any better. Yes, but I mean, isn't it about him holding the reins of the party at this point? It's interesting though that these people keep popping up, like people like John Major, Tony Blair often does it. Mm. Old prime ministers coming up and trying to have their say. But on this... They had their time. They, they, They've had yeah, their time. They have. Back off, Major. But Go back to being great. What do you think, though? I mean, surely, can, can he possibly do anything at this point. You think he's going to do some sort of Putin-esque uh, thing and change the rules so no, he can I just, stay no, on? <laughs> no, of course I don't think <laughs> For that. Another, like, what, what I mean is, can he really uh, have any control? No, I mean, that's the thing. He's lost uh, any any sort of um, uh, any ability to control the party and guide it. So, so, yeah, there's no point in him staying on. He needs fresh blood immediately. Well, a relevant story now. This is the same uh, sort of theme. This is Friday's Times next. More aspersions on Boris's character, but this time from north of the border, Sajila. Okay, so Nicola Sturgeon has got... Because of course got she's got own. an opinion. <laughs> of course she has an opinion on this. Um, so basically, Johnson lacks character to be interim PM and must go, she says. Um, and so what she's doing is, uh, no sooner as Boris resigned, she basically puts her party stall out on top of the ashes of his career yep. and, um, you know, is, is effectively pushing for the... Hey, we, you know, Westminster, the, the system's just not working for us anymore. We need independence. You know, that old, that old chest that's come out. Um, and she's just saying that he, she wants him gone completely. Um, we're not surprised by that. And we're not, you know, it's not, not surprising, but she is using that, you know, uh, on the one hand, she's saying it's untenable to have him there as uh, interim, but she hasn't actually suggested who should replace him, no. which, uh, which no one probably has, suggest really. Herself. <laughs> well, I'm going to go to you, Leo, because I know you're a huge fan of Nicholas Sturgeon. <laughs> you've always got such lovely words to say for her. Well, she's just such a hypocrite demanding. Well, she was demanding that Boris resigns. Now he's resigned. She's demanding he goes straight away. I mean, at least Boris resigned after sex uh, scandals in the in the Tory party. There have been so many sex scandals in the SNP. I'm not just talking about Alex Salmon, the former leader, with his sleepy cuddles. Uh, there's also uh, MSP Mark Macdonald, who resigned as children's minister after inappropriate messages to women. There's Derek Mackay, uh, who uh, resigned, but is still getting a huge amount of money from the taxpayer after hundreds of messages, creepy messages to a teenage boy. And most importantly, Patrick Grady, who is the chief whip and a key ally of Sturgeon, is still... It's still in the in the party, still in office. I mean, I know, I know you always want the, an opportunity to have a go at the SNP. No, and the, S, the SNP threatened his victim, his teenage victim, with disciplinary action, who's working in the party, and suspended his email. But, the but, SNP punished his victim. But all the hypocrisy that you're outlining there, and I don't deny any of that, surely she still has a right to an opinion when it comes to their politics. No, this is this is this is ridiculous. I'd rather have the, the Vatican lecture me on babysitting. This is absolute nonsense. Okay, let's move on now onto the front cover <laughs> of Friday's Mail. And it seems Boris didn't meet Russia's lofty ethical political standards either, Leo. So this article in particular mentions how Moscow and Putin are over the moon that Johnson's gone. Yeah, absolutely. And it says uh, Russian officials have lined up to celebrate the downfall of Boris Johnson with a leading tycoon casting the British leader as a stupid clown who got his just reward for arming Ukraine against Russia. And the Kremlin said it hoped more professional people would come to power. Uh, I mean, this, this just shows it's interesting that, you know, Labour, the SNP and Brussels are on the same side as Putin and giving strength to Putin. When, when Ukraine was really key out of everybody, all the Western leaders, one of the things we can really say about Boris is he, he was absolutely key in rallying the West against Putin and upholding Western liberal democracy. Well, no wonder they don't like him. It. It's a bit rich, though, isn't it, Putin describing him as a clown. This is the man who likes to wrestle with bears and ride topless on 
horses. Yeah, which or is more incoming with a clown kind of, you know, exactly. activity. It's the sort of thing you'd see in a circus Absol tent. Absolutely. I love that they think uh, we're more professional people will come. I don't know why I do this excellent, but more professional people come. Well, what are these more professional people? Are they going to be siding with Russia? Because I don't think they um, are. Really, this is about Boris Johnson. Hmm? They're coming from Jamaica, apparently, according to your accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, who knows what the accent was there? The professionals from Jamaica. That's right. Just watch out for them. But then what about this? I mean, obviously, Boris Johnson, this is about the Ukraine war, and Boris Johnson yeah. is perceived as a bit of a hero amongst Ukra some Ukrainians. Yeah. Didn't they even name a cake after him? Yeah. Some kind of sugary bun. And I should imagine a lot of children will be named Boris, although, I mean, they're probably named Boris anyway. Oh, uh, maybe that's why he's been going on those little trips. More children, more little <laughs> mini Boris. It's a libelous terrain. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, let's move on uh, quickly now onto Friday's <clears throat> Mirror's front page. Uh, and hopefully is, Boris is aware he's actually at this particular party. Uh, yeah, so Boris Johnson and wife Carrie to host lavish Chequers wedding party while he clings on. Now, when you heard the speech, do you recall that he made a little faux pas? He was saying, oh, you know, I'm going to be leaving 10 Downing Street. But instead of saying 10 Downing Street, he said, I'm going to be leaving Chequers. And I didn't know what Chequers was at this point. So I Googled it and then found out that this is like this ma big mansion house, which looks a bit like Colditz. From, from no, the it's gorgeous. It's really not. I mean, no, 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 no wonder he wants the party there. But can can this be true? Could it possibly be the case that he wants to hold on? Yeah, that a, he's holding a, on. Well, I don't know about bash. him, but I think Carrie's like cheap hold of the job. I'm getting my wedding done there. You know, I've ordered everything, and you're not going to screw it up for me. Um, but but there yeah, are other places. There's other surely. places. Well, so, uh, you know, his allies are saying that don't be silly. Of course, uh, that's not why he wants to stay. You know, um, as the interim uh, prime minister. It's because he's, you know, it's, it's out of a sense of duty. We know that it's always as out of a sense <laughs> of duty. Wait, um, Leo, you seem sceptical. You laugh mockingly. But, I mean, come on. It can't really be the case that he's going to hold on to this job for all the flack that that will entail so that he can have a, a nice place for his wedding bash. I mean, it's feasible. I mean, this is the mirror. So obviously they're taking an, ex an extreme sort of left-wing stance on it. So I believe this is about as much as I would believe uh, The Guardian. But uh, but yeah, I can like with somebody with the ego of Boris, I mean, he's surely uh, looking forward to having a wedding at Chequers and yeah. having everybody, you know, in, in these stately grounds and everything. It's but back to the job, isn't it? It's like if you could use your workspace... That was really posh. I will. I'm, you would. I'm going to get... We're You're going to re get... re renew our vows uh, in At the... At GB News. Yeah, the GB News <laughs> tea room. Um, but <laughs> Boris doesn't need to worry because Weatherspoons will do a full wedding reception for three grand. Well, I mean, um, you know, all of my family have always got married in church halls and just put a bit of bunting up. Yeah. You know, get some stuff in from Lidl. It well, works they've a treat. They've you don't need checkers. They have actually already been married. They did a secret uh, ceremony at Westminster Cathedral with only just a handful of guests in 2021. Oh, they were slumming And then, it and then they, had, they had a Downing Street... This is rich. They had a Downing Street garden party, but didums, didums, only allowed 30 guests because of COVID restrictions. Uh, well, is this one of the legal parties that you had or the illegal parties? <laughs> I can't work out. It does get very confusing, to be fair, doesn't it? OK, well, let's move on. This uh, resignation has obviously left a political vacuum. There's a whole host of candidates. We'll be manoeuvring as we speak. Uh, but the first, I just want to quickly, I mean, this article now talks about Suella Braveman in particular, Leo, but we do have a clip of her from yesterday, and this was, I think, where she was really launching her campaign. So right. let's have a look at this. 
There's many, many priorities, but I think fundamentally we need to deliver some proper tax cuts so that people can be uh, dealing with the cost of living challenges in a more feasible way. We need to shrink the size of the state and cut government spending so we can curb inflation. We need to solve the problem of the boats across the channel. We need to stop a foreign court interfering in our domestic affairs. We need to make sure the Brexit opportunities are felt for everybody in this country. And lastly, we need to get rid of all of this woke rubbish and actually get back to a country where describing a man and a woman in terms of biology does not mean that you're going to lose your job. I think that's quite an important point, isn't it, Leo? Because that's the one thing that Labour candidates can't seem to say. And in fact, a lot of Tories have trouble with it as well. Oh, yeah. And this, what she's saying is what the Conservative Party used to stand for. And wouldn't it be amazing if we had a Conservative Conservative leader for the so first you're time. Pretty pro yeah, for the first time this century. Like David Cameron, mm. Boris Johnson, Theresa May, they're all they're all kind of liberal wet. So Suella Braverman, uh, she's she's great. She's uh, she she grew up here. She's second generation uh, immigrant. She gained a scholarship to a fee-paying secondary school, then went on to read law at Cambridge, became a barrister. She's amazing. She's she's anti-woke. She's a Leave campaigner. She had a law changed just for her, so she could uh, there's maternity leave for the Attorney General. And, uh, yeah, what she's saying, tax cuts. Imagine a Tory government that, that cut tax instead of putting okay. it up. What do you think of Suella? OK, look, I'm all about the sisterhood, right? I totally am. But uh, I'm sorry, but that was a really weak argument and it was literally like she was being witching... You mean Leo's argument? No, 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 no. Her, her, her kind of speech just then, I, I wasn't sold that that's the, the leader but of our country. Third female... Prime Minister, that's got to be worth Yeah, and, and as much as I'd like that, I mean, oh gosh, there's so many, there, there's a list of them and everyone I've ticked off, like Rishi Sunak, why him not? Because the non-dom thing, Steve Baker, slimy, really slimy. And Suella, I just <laughs> thought she was just, 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 just too big green. Has... She's too big green. She comes across as way too green. Sajid Javid, I'm sorry, like, oh, a man with integrity. Where was your integrity the last two years? You know, I, I, the people that don't, so left the So this is the big now. problem, is that we don't feel like there's anyone no, who's No, there isn't. There's even backbenchers coming in saying they want to part. Steve Baker does have ministerial experience. There is that. I mean, there, you know, what about Ben Wallace? You know, although then he's a Remainer and that creates all sorts of suspicions, but... I think, and I think it would... Uh, I think Ukraine would like it if Ben Wallace came in. So he's the Defence Secretary and, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to back up. What do we think? Do. I mean, I do come back to this point about Brexit because I think it's very important. A lot of people have been saying, well, you know, now that Boris has gone, we can ditch Brexit. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think we do need to remember the reason why Boris was voted in. That mandate, and I know you say that that mandate doesn't pass on uh, to, to... That's not how this works. But I do think a general election needs to be called because he has an 80-seat majority on this mandate of populism, on but, this mandate of democracy, restoring democracy. But how can you... So, but his popularity... If, if we have a candidate who comes in who has a completely different view of the direction that the Conservative Party needs to take, they don't have the mandate of the public. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, you're obviously not going to get a complete volta fast from whoever comes in, because it, they're still going to be a Conservative. I mean, hopefully they'll, they'll have more sort of consistency in their logic and their policy than, than Boris Johnson, who flip-flopped, you know, he used to be a Remainer, then he became a, you know, pro-leave. He did whatever he wanted, whatever would make him popular is what he did. He didn't have this sort of uh, political consistency. OK, well, we have to move on now. We're going to Friday's Telegraph next. Uh, Leo has a subscription to The Economist, so you've got some <laughs> insights on this, right? Yeah, so, uh, so this is in The Telegraph. So uh, part of, uh, so the, it says the PM's long goodbye leaves the UK in a state of paralysis and uh, part of that paralysis will be uh, the next Tory leader will find it impossible to cut taxes. This is a lie. Uh, yeah. This is from the Office of Budget, Budget Responsibility. Uh, they said tax cuts cannot pay for themselves and cannot be made if the government wants to keep debt declining. 
Uh, so Andy King at the OBR said, cutting taxes reduces revenue and does put pressure on fiscal balances. He then said, tax cuts can of course be financed by spending reductions. Yes, there's so much waste in government. They're spending money on all this like pointless, nonsensical stuff. Every bit of like uh, EDI and, uh, and everything that's painted a rainbow colour. Uh, the Arts Council, that can go. Uh, there's so, so you much. should be Chancellor. I should be Chancellor. You should absolutely be I Chancellor. I should 100% we'd finally have a Conservative Chancellor. It would be amazing. What do you think, Sir Jane? Do you think Leo makes... I, 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 think, I think Leo's already tried putting his hand in politics, haven't you? Oh, he, he yeah. 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 But that doesn't yeah. mean that's the end of yeah. his... He might go back. It doesn't have to end there. I'm sure there's... No. You know, there's an opening. There's definitely an job. opening. Yeah. I mean, you've probably got just as much chance as any of the others. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not actually in the party or anything. No, you don't, no. Well, we don't, we don't, have, was, we don't have consistent economic policy here. Because <laughs> the various candidates for the job all seem to have different views on this. And you've got a number of people who want to go back to the old sort of Thatcherite approach. And then what happens to Boris's sort of levelling up strategy? You know, big state spending, all of that. Kind of, they, you know, well, we are confused here. I, I think, uh, you know, you could have free ports, which, which are cheap and sort of uh, encourage uh, growth in those areas. Uh, but Britain's got a huge tax burden at the moment. We are, uh, our tax burden is at the highest level since the 1940s, since the Attlee government. So this idea that, you know, we've had all these uh, Labour governments since then that didn't tax us as much as Boris's government is right now. OK, well, we've reached the end of the first section of Headliners. That's been the Boris section, I think we all, we all agree. <laughs> uh, but coming up after the break, renegade HSBC bankers. Leo will be delicately and insightfully opining about the Israeli Ben and Jerry situation. And the romantics were right. It turns out you actually can die from a broken heart. See you in two minutes. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle. And I've also got with me Sajila Kershi and Leo Kurse. On to Friday's Telegraph now, and a banker has been dropping some truth bombs. Leo, what's all this about? Yeah, so this is uh, an executive from HSBC. Uh, so it's Britain's biggest bank, apparently. It's called Stuart Kirk. They put him on paid leave in May after he hit out at climate nut jobs during a city event and asked... Those are his words, right? Yeah, these are his words, but also mine. Uh, he said, and also said, who cares if Miami is six metres underwater in 100 years? So he was head of global, uh, or global head of responsible investing at HSB Asset Management. Uh, but he's now decided to quit in protest at being suspended. And he's added that cancel culture destroys wealth and progress and there is no place for virtue signalling in finance. I, I totally agree with him. You can see, uh, it's all these uh, investment groups like BlackRock, uh, they've got like ESG, environmental, so social and governance yeah. rules. And uh, so when they, they invest in a company like Netflix, it has to meet all these rules. So then it has to go woke and then nobody wants to watch it because it's rubbish and then they lose all their money. So it does seem to be destroying. So, I mean, from the look of things, he was quite indelicate when he was coming, when he was talking about climate change and he was sort of basically criticising the doom mongers. And he yeah. says, you know, all of these uh, predictions of Armageddon, they never come true. But does he have a point, Sajila, or do you think they should have cracked no, down? No, I mean, like, uh, he's, he's a global manager, and then he says, that like, you know, who cares if Miami is six metres underwater? I imagine people but, who live in Miami do. Yeah, I think people in Miami do. And then, <laughs> but yet, on his LinkedIn, it says he actually loves Miami. So if he's lying about that, what else is Maybe he lying about? Lying. I think his whole point was Miami's not going to be underwater. Since I can remember, which is a long time, so I'm quite old, I've been told that the world is about to end. It used to be, you know, there's peak oil and nuclear Armageddon and, uh, you know, a new ice age. And then global warming's been the big one for ages. 
all it seems to mean yeah, is like we get slightly nicer summers. Your lifespan there is not is not in the grand scheme of things, isn't that long, <laughs> right? And you know, slightly nicer summers in Scotland. Well, you know, that doesn't tell us much, does well, it? Also, I mean, it's about to be a parent. So I think you're going to change your view when you've you got. You might yeah, do when you yeah. have a child because so, there's a different there's a different way to look at the world. Then. Uh, but Sajida, isn't you know, isn't the point here that there really needs to be room for diverse opinions within finance within any corporation? Like he's he's got his views. But rather than just say, well, those are your views, but we don't agree, we want to sort of get rid of you. And that seems to appear, appear to have been what's happened here. Well, I thought they'd just given him some leave until he'd kind of calmed down. And they just thought that they've just treated him like he's had a, a fit of the vapours and he'll get better within a couple of weeks' time. You know, you've had some time away. You know, Is that, that what's happened about. here? I think that's what's happened. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. Well, but, why are you talking I mean, about cancel culture then? Well, I think he's got a real point. So, I mean, he's been cancelled. He's been suspended. And uh, and all this this woke uh, dogma and the cancel culture that's through everything at the moment, every corporation, every HR department, HR departments are where it emanates from in, in corporations. So equality, diversity and inclu inclusion, it's uh, it's just a drag on any progress. So all hires have to be have to be filtered through according to all demographic tastes. You don't just get the best person for the job. So it's an, it's an absolute nonsense. All, you know, any quota or anything like that is going gonna, is gonna, to... Anything that steers you away from the most productive route is going to be a drag I, on growth I and do, investment. I worry about this intolerance of eccentricity. You know, I think every corporation and business should have an eccentric with weird views. Mm. Makes it more fun. I, we had a teacher that thought pigeons were the agents of Satan. They are. Maybe, maybe they I, are. I, I mean, I, you know, I think I grew up in a time when individuality was celebrated and mm -hmm. I just think, you know, right. we are we are, we are, are becoming such a homogenised uh, kind of globe. Right, exactly. Like. So we can disagree <laughs> with him, but say, but you can still have a job, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of truth bombs, Prince Harry, he's the king of the truth bombs. He's been dropping a few of his own. This is from Friday's Times. OK, here. so Prince Harry tells um, of significant tensions with Queen's aid and legal battle. So basically, he's um, the Duke of Sussex. He's uh, um, taken a, like, a, a legal action against the Home Office over a decision to not allow him to pay for police protection for himself and his family when he visited the UK. So can you clarify that? So he wanted to come over here yeah. and the, the Home Office said, well, we can't afford your security. Yeah. And he said, well, I'll pay for yeah. it. And Which, they said, no, you can't pay for no. it. And now he's suing them. Yeah, now he's kind of suing them. And he's saying that, you know, was there was a decision made by, um, you know, someone in, in the palace. And, and it's like there's a bit of tension between the Queen's, um, I think it's a secretary. Sorry, what was it? So he's saying, so what, yeah. what, why is this such an issue? Why is this escalated? To such a degree, Leo. Do you know what why this has happened? I well, this is uh, actually interesting because I understood it to be uh, him suing the the Home Office, of the police, uh, because they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't provide free policing. No, no, no. My understanding was it was because they wouldn't allow him to pay for it. Right. I'm my, I'm fine. I don't understand this at all. Is if it's some sort of uh, you know the, the royals and the 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 establishment sniping at Prince Harry. If he wants to pay for policing, he can pay for, pay for policing around my gaff. Then maybe yeah. my car will get broken. In. I mean, yeah, I don't see the problem. Like, if he wants to pay for it, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to remember. Yeah, whether he's well, it's a, because he's estranged now, isn't it? A, so, yeah, so... yeah, he might be estranged, but it's kind of. I do think there's a little bit of, um, you know, there is a case that they have got it in for him and Meghan. Uh, sure. Because at the end of the day, he's still a royal and he should have protection given his, what happened to his mum. OK, well, let's move on now to Friday's Guardian. And the future is vegan, apparently. Oh, God, maybe for some people. But uh, So this, this report from Boston Consulting Group uh, found that for each dollar in, of investment in improving and scaling up the production of meat and dairy alternatives resulted in three times more greenhouse gas reductions compared with investment in green cement technology. Basically... Uh, basically, they're, they're saying that if you invest in vegan food, you get bigger savings in climate you know, well, of course, emissions I mean, or whatever. The article says beef, 
results in six to 30 times more emissions than tofu. But it tastes 40 times better than tofu. No, it does. I actually disagree with this because I can remember I can remember when I ate meat back when I was a child and beef was horrible. I think tofu is wonderful. What do you think? So tofu, some of tofu is okay. Um, but on the whole, like I do think plant-based food is a bit minging. I mean, I do like, I do like the hot dogs. Um, and I like Melinda McCartney sausages, but they do repeat on you years later. OK, yeah. well, look, let's move on to another food item now. This is on Friday's Telegraph. Uh, it's about that long-lasting geopolitical tension between ice cream and the state of Israel. Yeah, so Ben & Jerry's ice cream, if you're not familiar with it, it's uh, basically an ice cream company, but they've become incredible like social activists. It's almost like they're a, they're a political party with a small ice cream division attached to them. Do you know uh, they've got an activism manager? Oh, my ben God. Ben Jerry's has an activism ma manager oh. who earns a fortune. Oh, yeah, of course they earn a fortune. Can you imagine all the meetings you get dragged to? <laughs> you've got to like have some college graduate tell you why, why you're a terrible person. Uh, I mean, at least there's free sandwiches, probably. Uh, but, yeah, in the, in the last few weeks, the, the brand has lobbied for tougher gun control laws in America and hit out at Britain's uh, racist Rwanda plan, even though Ben & Jerry's themselves are racist because they target sugary desserts at uh, demographics who are more prone to suffering from uh, diabetes, which I is... think they would challenge that claim, if I can just say for, for fair. I will challenge that claim. Go on, Sajila, let's hear missed it. Your, missed your curse. Uh, what, so they're targeting Ben and Jerry's? Are they targeting people like me with my diabetes and being Asian? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, because they support Black Lives Matter, so that can be seen as targeting uh, black people because you're supporting a black... Okay. I, I love that you've but jumped from black the... People, <laughs> black people are more prone to, to diabetes. Wait, wait OK, Sajid, anyway. can I come to you on this? Because, like, isn't it the case that really what Ben & Jerry should be focusing on is, you know, truffle kerfuffle and chunky monkey New York fudge ice well, cream and not worrying so much about uh, resolving the Israel-Palestine? Uh, well, the chunky monkey is now beginning to think, well, what does that stand for? What is, a meta what is that a metaphor for? Well, you don't it's know, do you? It, I mean, it's messages, subliminal messages. I don't, know, I don't think there's anything wrong with them taking a stance like to be like a, a little bit more politically, you know, savvy and want to want to get like, you know, their their views. They're an ice cream company. So what? Like, <laughs> they've decided company, they've never they've always been a bit unconventional. You know, let's face it, with their yeah. flavors and stuff. So why not? When you know, when in 2017, for instance, in Australia, they banned the sale of two scoops of same flavor ice cream because they were protesting about the same-sex marriage. They wanted to push for same-sex marriage, so they wouldn't let their customers buy two vanilla scoops. Did they know that, not know that the ice cream scoops aren't having sex? Uh, well, it's nothing I mean, to do with it. It was a big metaphor, big elaborate metaphor. They're, they also had peak and resist, a new flavour to, to protest against ch Trump. Change the you, world. You just, and I, I'm not sure they're the bad guys here, because it's okay. Unilever, the, 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 you know, who well, are... Well, Unilever are the big parent yeah, company, Yeah, the parent company, who are basically saying that they shouldn't get involved in this, and that somehow... Uh, their political activism is, is is harming, you know, because they're obviously boycotting. Uh, they want them to boycott stuff from, uh, um, you know. Uh, yeah, sorry, gone. Well, yeah, based on the story here, uh, which we haven't actually got to yet, is uh, so Ben and Jerry's uh, stopped selling ice cream in Israel in occupied. They call it occupied territories. Mm -hmm. uh, they say it's Palestinian land, and uh, obviously this is, you know, why why out of all the countries in the Middle East are they singling out Israel? Lots of countries in the Middle East have dodgy records on, on human rights. Most of them much worse than, in fact, all of them much worse than Israel. Israel's got democracy, it's got equal rights for women and gays and all it's the rest. Also got, it's also so, got apartheid over so there, which is against against the uh, Palestinians. Well, other, other, other countries in, in the Middle East, what, so why are they singling out Israel? Obviously because Ben and Jerry's, as well as being massively racist are completely anti Oh, uh, well, I don't, I don't think you two are going to agree on this. I think they should be allowed their own opinions, but, but I just, we've got to move on oh. now, I'm afraid. But I just think, 
you know, when you get a Mr Whippy, they don't lecture you about economic inequality. They just say, do you want a chocolate plate with that? Anyway, that's it for part two. Coming up after the break, it's the good stuff. We've got deep fakes, the perils of wearing white, and why T-Rex had tiny arms. See you there. Welcome back to the final part of Headliners. I'm Andrew Doyle, and I'm joined by the effervescent Sajila Kershey and the ever-present Leo Kurse. You are here a lot, Leo, aren't you? (laughs) Telegraph next. It turns out that the romantics were right, Sajila. Broken Um, hearts. Yeah, so you literally can die of a broken heart. Well, um, a heart disease, uh, a post-bereavement. So um, grief can be lethal for people who already have uh, heart problems. So if you, um, they're saying that if a loss of a spouse can increase your risk of dying by 20%, and that rises to 113% in the first week of bereavement. So I'm not surprised by that at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, like, that, that doesn't surprise me, because you do hear, like, couples who one partner dies, and then and they're usually older, so, you know, heart disease is probably, uh, and, and definitely it's, it's quite rife in my um, family, uh, and, and usually one partner will die, and the next one will die. And in bereavement, it literally does, And also you know, people who are on their last legs, you know, they normally hang on for a purpose. And if they lose their partner, a lot of their purpose in their life has gone. And a lot of this is psychological, isn't it, Leo? Yeah. Yeah, and it's got nothing at all to do with the vaccine. Uh, I've noticed a a plethora of stories in the newspapers in the last few months about football and like uh, not getting enough sleep and all these things that can cause myocarditis or cause heart heart problems. Well, be that as it may, this is a a study. This is a proper study in Sweden. Failure. (laughs) Yeah, in Sweden. Predates the uh, the pandemic as well. Uh, Five hundred thousand people. Five hundred thousand people tested. Uh, And we're going to move on now to this story about deep fake porn. What's this about, Leo? Um, I don't know because somebody took the story. Oh, okay. All right. Well, this is 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 it number ten. Number twelve. Number twelve. Okay. Number twelve. No, that was. This is criminal reforms target deep fake and non-consensual pornography imagery. So this is about this is about this idea that. Now it's going to be criminalised. If people take your image, your photograph, and they put your face onto someone else's body in a pornographic context, that can also be criminalised. Isn't that what Ross did that to Chandler in Friends once? He took his, oh, he took his face and put it onto a... There's always uh, a Friends episode for everything in life. Everything. Well, anyway, we've got a video of it, so let's have a look now. No, we don't really. <laughs> Can't, do that. Can't do that. That would be too much. I but... nearly got whiplash looking at the monitor. <laughs> You're very uh, keen yeah, this all is, of a sudden. This is, I mean, this sounds like it's a good idea, so uh, it's going to stop revenge porn, it's going to mm. stop, you know, upskirting when people take photos upskirts. But they're, they're talking about uh, down blousing, which is when... Uh, People look down blouses. Down, down the boobadoos, yeah. I'm, very th- I'm six yeah. foot five. I can see down most blouses. And, uh, yeah, so it's up to three years in prison. And deep fake pornography, that's when you just fake pornography. Yeah, so it's not real. So it's, it's not real, and that just sounds like fun. That's not like sharing somebody's intimate details, because it's fake. There's, oh. there's, there's a fan who's, like, done things for me and Susie Bennett, another comedian, and he just, like, superimposes our faces on, on other things. Uh, Oberman. And it's a brilliant. It's really clever. Yeah. Yes, but, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if you did, there it are with, obviously dangers with this. Yeah, if you if you did if you did it with like you know with uh, young people, a fall of Madonna with the you know yeah. If, if you know, did, there's all sorts of there's safeguarding. All sorts of things. But I do anyway. think I do think. I mean, they're saying that, that you get up to three years. I think that's actually quite right because as young girls, you know, we've seen it in the in the past. I've been covering this story here yes. where upskirting for school girls, like as they're going up the stairs. You know, going to school, that's outrageous. Of course you know, so that, that, that's a good thing. Well, I we think. do have to move on now. Friday's mail, it looks like the women's English football team might have to give up playing in white. Is this unpatriotic or just sensible laundry p- protocols? Okay, so yeah, English stars have spoken to Nike about uh, scrapping white shorts from their kits over concerns of playing on their periods. 
This is uh, uh, women, women who identify as women, you know, vintage women. Uh, and uh, it's an issue that's always kind of concerned me, like when, when like, it's not just footballers, it's like Wimbledon, they yes. have this all white kind of thing. And, and you know, women, every woman will know, like you kind of the dangers of wearing white on certain days yeah, of the of course, month. Of course. And uh, so they're saying, you know, why do we have to have white? And uh, even women in Wimbledon are saying, well, I remember Martina Navratilova, she was running around and you could see her sanitary pad and everybody laughed in the audience. And she was like really angry with them. Um, so why not make different colours? Because it's hard enough to do like a sport like that, uh, yes. you, know, you know, with well, it just the period. Seems, it seems like a sensible proportion. Yeah, well, I mean, because, you know, although white is the British colour, why not use like red, white and blue? Why not use blue? Leah, I'm sure you've thought about this a lot. Would blue not also be, I mean, I think, what, what, what is the sort blue. of maroon paisley print? But every uh, tampon advert I've ever seen shows people in white clothes climbing ladders on roller skates. Yeah, and they like make that. the point that you oh, don't So we're need... blaming tampon for, like, actually... Uh, because I think they're trying to show that, look, even with white clothing, this will not show. But it is an issue. It it's is an, an issue for every okay. woman. Well, let's yeah. move on to Friday's Guardian now. Trouble is brewing among us comedians with regards to the Edinburgh Fringe, Leo. Yeah, yeah, so more than 1,600 comedians, agents and producers have signed a letter that accuses the Edinburgh Fringe Festival of mismanagement. So it's a charity that's received millions of pounds in taxpayers' money over, over COVID relief and also uh, millions of pounds from, from comedians. You know, if you perform at the Edinburgh Fringe, you've got to pay, or you don't have to, but you know, you pretty much have to pay 300 odd quid to, to be uh, registered with them. But they've scrapped their ticketing app. Uh, there's a lack of transparency over what they're spending the money on. Uh, and they're failing to help artists with soaring accommodation costs and cuts in train services. And obviously, you know, the SP have uh, got involved and they've restricted the amount of housing by uh, stopping a rule that allowed student accommodation, uh, student flats to be, to be let out. Uh, I mean, I, I think this is, uh, this is just emblematic. It's the final, uh, you know, sort of peak of uh, the, fringe, the Edinburgh Fringe. It just, it tries to bleed comedians mm -hmm. People don't get how expensive it is. It is the comics, yeah. the fact that, you know, the rent is absolutely extortionate. The venue rates are really huge. It's impossible to make money there even if you're known. You know, it's really the people who are making the money are the venues, yeah. the people who are losing out are the comedians and the punters, basically. It's it's lost the um, ethos of what, why why it was there. It was a fringe. Yes. It was a fringe, you know, for people who are just starting out to try and, you know, get their wares out. And I think free fringe is the only kind of really feasible yeah. way. But even with we that... Should, we should explain to the audience, because they may not yeah. know, the free fringe was set up. And the idea of the free fringe is that you wouldn't pay for your venue and the audience wouldn't pay for the tickets. They just put money into a bucket at the end. And it turned out to be really successful. You've yeah. done the free fringe a number of times. Oh, the free fringe is amazing. So you pay, like, instead of paying thousands for your venue, you just pay, you know, 100 quid, 120 quid mm. or something. And it's a great venue. It's mm. usually yeah. a great yeah. venue. Better that I did the paid fringe one year and the room was worse. Oh, that could be terrible, fringe. like not air conditioned or yeah. And then yeah. You, you lose all this money. So free fringe, you can make a make a living doing it, and it's it's brilliant fun. And also their app works. But I mean, I think the fringe has lost its way. It used to be, you know, where you went to be seen, and yeah. you're the tastemakers would would decide. Now it's gone super woke. So you know, if you're somebody like me, you can't. You know, you're almost you know <laughs> deplatform de from parts of it. And, uh, and it's, the internet means, you know, we, you can connect directly with your audience. You can put videos up on YouTube like I do and just get so what does this mean? Directly. Is the fringe obsolete? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not going this year. Are you going? No. No. Are you? Well, I'm going for one day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going for But I wouldn't take days. a show there. I'd, 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 I'd go overseas to the overseas yeah. uh, fringes, which is mm. what I'm intending to do. Yeah, I think that's probably sensible. Anyway, on to the Times now. And an Italian town 
has embraced body shaming, Sajila. And the moon hits your eye like a big uh, bikini pie. So may it outlaws bikinis to, sp uh, to spare Sorrento's blushes. So a local journalist in Sorrento said that um, the ban would stop a macabre procession of bare flesh. Um, but this is the is, it, is it the living dead, like with bikinis that, that are, why use the word macabre? Um, and uh, they're also banning tourists from walking around in swimming costumes. Um, because they think it's uh, going to uh, be described as widespread indecorous behaviour. Wait, this it's is also, a moral thing, right? And, yeah, because, it's moral, and it's this also... Is, this is a beautiful... The coastline there, it's, it's very it's sunny. Stunning, stunning. People are going to wear less, right? Yeah, but I, I, and I wonder if this, like, a um, bare flesh, like, maybe not so hot bare flesh, that's what it is, maybe. I don't oh. know. I don't know. I'm just, do I'm just... they don't want ugly just, people taking their top. I think off. we need to stop telling people, especially women, what they can and can't wear. They, it's been described as Dante's Inferno. Come on. Well, I mean, a lot of the people in Dante's Inferno were naked. If you see the illustrations by Gustav Dory, you can but, see a lot of them are naked. I mean, it's, you know, an, so maybe it's, that's what it's, they mean. It's, it's, it's on the Riviera, right? Um, why, why not let... That's what you're supposed to do. What do you think, Leo? Yeah, I don't think you should ban bikinis. I think that's ridiculous. This is almost like... Well, I should, wonder why you're saying it that. Should, it should be the mirror of Kabul. <laughs> <laughs> Friday's mirror now and a novel first date strategy. Sound advice, Leo? No, a woman was left baffled after she went on a first date with a man and asked him what he did for a living as the bloke refused to answer due to a policy he has... So, uh, so yeah, she... What's his policy, sorry? Basically, she kept asking him. So they've been talking for, you know, a few weeks. So she was like, you know, what, what, do, you do, for a, what do you do for a living? And he, he said he has a policy of not talking about his work when getting to know a woman, and he was super evasive about it. She was worried if she was going to have to chip in for the meal, obviously. Uh, and then, but she says, it turns out he has all these paranoid men's rights beliefs about women dating men for their money. I mean, when's that ever happened? So I mean, wait, apart so he, from almost every single... <laughs> so he's worried about gold digging. Gold digging, yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. So right, he's, he's rightly worried because about the trouble gold is, If you're on a date and you don't, say, you refuse to say what you do, you see, my assumption would be, well, you're an assassin or a prostitute or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, you go, you, you go to the darkest places. But can I just say, this was on Bumble. Bumble, which is supposed to be where the women have all the power and the control. Right? And so she had a right to ask him what he did and not to answering him. It makes me think... Well, what what were you doing? I don't I don't think he had a good job at all. It's not a keeper, love. It's what, not a keeper. what if you have a really embarrassing job, like you work for the Guardian or something? What, like, what, what do you do then? Well, then you can't afford the meal anyway. That's so a very good point. Problem. Very good point. Let's move on now to the theme of relationships from the Times: the corrosive effect of pornography. Sajida. Okay, so men's relationships not badly influenced by porn, according to this uh, research. Um, they found that uh, looking at pornographic actresses didn't reduce the attractiveness of familiar women's faces. So watching pornography may, they're saying, may not be as detrimental as everybody thinks it is. There's loads of conf conflicting studies I know, about I know, the, the effects I know. of pornography. And they've even had, uh, you, you know, obviously a lot of feminist campaigners say that pornography increases sexual assault. A lot of studies suggest that actually uh, people who consume pornography are less likely to commit sexual assault. It, does it really have much of an effect on people in the real world? Or are people able to distance themselves? Well, well let's ask a consumer of... Pornography. Oh, do you never watch pornography? Uh, let's not get into not. personal <laughs> questions here, Leo. Um, let's just cast aspersions. So as someone who can see... No, tell, tell, <laughs> tell me what you think, Leo. But do, do you think that, that people can just watch pornography and see it as fantasy and it doesn't really affect them and their sex lives yeah, and absolutely. their relationship with their partners? Absolutely. Like, you can watch a film or play a video game and see it as fantasy. I think the problem is when you've got somebody with a predilection for, you know, a particular, you know, who, who's likely to, to cause harm British, or, or yeah. whatever then pornography could, you know, uh, enforce their fantasies. 
Okay. Well, it's interesting. It didn't make any difference whether you were homosexual or heterosexual in terms of how you reacted to people finding people's faces attractive after watching pornography. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. I'll tell you what's interesting is the num number of studies they do in pornography. It's way more than any other. They do a lot, don't they? It's because students, you know, researchers, want to watch pornography. It's very interesting. Well, of course they do. They get paid by the government to watch pornography. I know. Cool, yeah. Camille Pallier actually said that... Uh, uh, there's a lot of great art within pornography. She said Michelangelo <laughs> was one of the world's greatest pornographers. So, interesting. Uh, Friday's Metro now, and this one goes some way to proving something we all suspected. Jeremy Beadle must have been an incredible lover. Leo. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> but basically, so, uh, T-Rexes. As you'll know if you've seen a T-Rex or watched Jurassic Park, they've got these tiny, they're famous for having these tiny little gerbil paws. Yes. For, for arms and you know they, they quite seem... cute in a way except that they'll yeah. eat your head yeah they are they are kind of cute so you know they, they seem to be no use for anything mm. because they're too small to really pick anything up and get it to the mouth or doing it but the reason uh, they're there the these scientist uh, researchers they've taken a break from looking at pornography they're still influenced by pornography they've decided that t-rex's arms are actually for gripping mates tightly during sex mates as in somebody they're having sex with, not their mates. Not that they're buddies, mm. they're yeah. Because all the pornography would be wasted on their arms being so short, I yes. suppose. <laughs> but, yeah. um, oh, so Gina, that's an but, Give me a pterodactyl, give me a pterodactyl any day with their big wings. I mean, you is, know, is, I just want to be hugged. Is there someone who studies, is there someone who's like a half paleontologist, half sexologist, and they, they specialise in, in dinosaur uh, Ross from Friends. Ross from Friends, very likely. Let's move on now to The Guardian. And I thought America's Stonehenge was in the movie Spinal Tap, Sajila. Apparently not. Oh, okay. It's about this monument in Oh, America. right. So America's Stonehenge, that see, some see as a satanic, um, has been torn down after bombing. So there's a structure in Georgia, and it was been, it's basically was demolished um, in an attack by unknown individuals. What is this monument? Um, it so it's apparently a peculiar granite monument um, that some people have dubbed like America's Stonehenge. It's got like lots of you know, like little... Bro but anyway, some people think it's satanic, but, uh, like, this mystery... Mystery bombers have bombed some of it, and then what they did was got rid of the rest of it because they said, like, it was obviously a bit of a, an eyesore, so it no longer exists. But doesn't this just show... I mean, they call this America's Stonehenge. It's 42 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Stonehenge is from 2500 BC. It's from the late Neolithic period. This is not... Well, America's, well, America, new, America's newer. Every, exactly everything's everything newer. Everything's America. newer in America. Also, also, I think if you set the same bomb off at Stonehenge, nothing would happen to Stonehenge. <laughs> no, so, like, this thing's made out of MDF. Obviously, it fell over. <laughs> right, Friday's Metro now. And this one goes some way to prove... Oh, no, we've got to move on to another story now. Uh, oh, this is oh, this is the one about Stephen Fry. Do you know this one about Stephen Fry and the batter? Yeah, so, I mean, I read this. It's the interview with Stephen Fry, who's now the president of the Marlebone Cricket Club... Uh, and they've, uh, you know, made some sort of woke moves. They've replaced batsmen with batter. Yeah. Uh, so instead of, you know, the, the image of a man uh, holding a cricket bat, which could be sexist, they have uh, the image of a bowl of eggs and milk and flour mixed together. Yes. Don't know okay. how that works. But instead <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, bowls, we don't have bowls men. We call them bowlers. So that's his rationale behind saying batter. So he's saying it's not... It's not uh, walkery, it's politeness. Well, he's talking about the evolution of language. And he's yeah. saying that younger people aren't going to be bothered by the idea that you don't use archaic phrases like batswoman anymore and that yeah. kind of thing. Although batter is a word and it means batter. It means so, something else. Yeah, you can't use it to describe a batsman. It, I mean, isn't Stephen, Stephen Fry's got a point here, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, but he's also got other bits. Like, do you really want to go back to a left uh, arm as wrong -un? 
what used to be called uh, Verdecker's. It was called as the Chinaman. So they're going to get rid of that. Um, well, things do. I mean, old-fashioned phrases, which now have connotations which we no longer consider acceptable, they go out of style, don't they? I mean, that's yeah. fairly standard stuff. It's, it doesn't strike me as too controversial, the things he's saying here, particularly. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, we've got to finish now, but this is with the sun, and this one is bound to be popular with the spies oh, amongst us. Yeah, that. and if you've got an iPhone, iPhone gets the new lockdown mode, and uh, not to be confused with what happened in the last couple of years and screwed up our lives. Uh, no, it, 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 and it could cost you. Um, iPhone owners will soon be able to use a new extreme lockdown mode uh, in a bid to prevent being spied on, because everyone's... Anyone who's afraid of being spied on, you can use this feature. However, the security boost was a result in some of the features becoming restricted. Um, this is not going to come out until the next uh, iOS 16 when it lands in well, this, autumn. This is like an acknowledgement that we are really facing problems now with spyware. Yeah. And, and the fact that I mean, there was that Pegasus spyware, the one that was developed by the Israeli security forces. Yeah, yeah. Which can actually get into your phone, turn your camera on, listen to what you're saying, film you, send messages from your phone as though it's you. I mean, this stuff is absolutely terrifying because we've all got these smartphones now. I know. They're just part of our lives now. And cyber attacks have gone up 800% since lockdown. So we're talking really? in a short space of time because we've, we suddenly became much more... We're already a very digital society, but we suddenly became glued to these devices. Yeah. And like you say, they're, you know, they're, they're a window into, into our lives. Russia, the Russian army is even using... Uh, so kids in Ukraine download games that uh, they have, they, they're involved uh, in taking photographs, like a sort of Pokemon type thing. Yeah. Uh, but then they're encouraged to take photographs of, uh, of assets that could be bombed, like bridges and big buildings. That's and scary. Like that. It's that really scary. Really scary. The Russian army knows Limey. the exact coordinates. Well, no wonder Apple are going to try and do something about this. But whether this can work or not, I mean, it feels yeah. like the hackers are a bit too smart. Yeah. Right? They should have done it already. They should, of course late. they should. We're, we're, we're so vulnerable. Little, too little, too late, Apple. Anyway, that's all we've got time for. So I want to just thank my guests, Sajida Kershey and Leo Kurse. Tomorrow night, Mark Dolan will be in the chair for headliners and we'll be joined by Nick Dixon and Simon Fanshaw. See you then. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.